the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies, Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Denora Pena is the founder and chief talent officer of Bodega 7 a bi-coastal talent management agency representing top entertainment and digital talent. Prior to becoming an entrepreneur, Denora was head of influencer marketing and brand partnerships at Unilever for the Sundial portfolio of brands, including Shea Moisture, Nubian Heritage, Madame CJ Walker, and Naya Kyle. A public relations veteran of 10 years experience in multicultural marketing, Denora has gained invaluable insights into the cultural nuances of Hispanic and African-American communities, allowing her to bring acute knowledge to the table to deliver compelling campaigns and experiential events. Her previous clients include Nike, Domino's Pizza, Harmon Kardon, and Cine Sony Television. A graduate of Manhattan College with a degree in communications, Denora is a 2016 recipient of the 30 Under 30 PR Rising Star Award by PR News. Hello. Denora Pena, how are you? Good, how are you? We're so excited to have you on the podcast. We're already recording, girl. We're just going to it because we know you're a busy boss lady that has to go get (laughs) shit done. And we are too. We are so sorry for the delay, but we got you finally on the podcast. You know, I've been watching you. I've been seeing your evolution, your transitions, your trials. No, you literally have because we've known each other since like 2010. So you literally have. We Gabby have. knows everybody. <laughs> I know no one. Gabby knows everyone. But but you know what's nice? I get to meet everybody through Gabby. <laughs> exactly. That's, and, yeah, right. No, but for real, I'm so proud of you. So I was like, hello, I need to talk to Denora. I'll put her on Girls Gone Boss and just have you share your story. Yeah. So let's just get to it. Just start to okay. let us know about yourself, where you're from, your background, your, you know, where you were raised. Let everybody know about you. Yeah, so I am a Dominicana from the Bronx, first generation American, um, born and raised in the Bronx. I call Brooklyn home now. Um, I'm a 10-year public relations veteran, so I graduated from Manhattan College um, with a degree in communications, a dual concentration in journalism and PR, um, and spent um, the first, I would say, more than the first half of my career in public relations across everything from medical PR to consumer PR, beauty PR, um, and a a large focus in influencer marketing, um, I'd say, the last four years of my career. And then as the most recent update is that I actually left my career in uh, beauty PR and started pursuing my own business, Bodega 7, which is a talent management agency. So we represent talent um, in entertainment and digital. And yeah, so that's sort of been my life. I have married a business. Well, we're going to get into the Bodega 7 because I I definitely want to learn everything about that and learn a little bit about how that came about. But tell us about like growing up in New York City and, you know, how that city has been key in shaping who you are. I know you're super family oriented as well. So talk to us about like all of that and how has all both of those things influenced you into the woman that you are. Oh my God. I, I've said this so many times and it's funny because when you say this to anybody not from New York, they are immediately offended. But as a New Yorker that I am, I don't care. But there truly is nothing like a New Yorker, like a born and bred New Yorker, not a transplant, <laughs> no offense, but a born and bred New Yorker because there is just this innate sort of grind and hustle and dream big and you can make it all happen attitude that we 
that we just have. Um, and so, and I think that for me, it's a bit even more unique because one, I'm a first generation American. So my par- both of my parents are immigrants. My, my dad has been here a little longer. My dad got to the U.S. when he was like 14 or 15. My mom came a little later uh, when she was like 21. But, you know, they, they, it, it, I think that I have that combo from being a first generation American of Im- Dominican immigrant parents plus uh, that born and bred New Yorker that has that 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 innate grind and hustle in her, um, but of course it shaped me. And and I don't think that that any of the success or the the accomplishments that I have had over the course of my career that I would have had if I didn't have these unique attributes. I completely agree. I think you know just from like past you know my friends and and you know uh, you know I fell in love here and there with a couple of little cute New Yorkers. And I'm like, damn, it's so true. You guys have like a little hustle spirit that is just like, you guys were born with it. It's like the city demands it. You know what I mean? It's almost like you can't survive without it. It's, it's just like in your blood. Right. Of course, especially in New York where, where I don't know if you saw the latest report, but the minimum salary here to survive and live a decent life is like $205,000. You're not going to make $205,000 by sitting on your ass. You know what I'm saying? So, it, it, yes, I, I I agree. And and every while everyone does have, you know, there's everyone has like a different degree, right? Like their barometer of like hustle and grind might vary. But I think that um, it's nothing compared the to atmosphere. the New York hustle, though. Nothing, right? But like like the the atmosphere of New York is just hustle and bustle twenty four seven. Right. And so the, the, you understand that if you if you cannot enter this place. And and match that, you're 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 capping your own success. Yeah, right? you're gonna and, be and, left and again, behind. Yeah, success is a, is objective because everybody might have a have a different understanding or feeling of what success is, right? But that you you can't deny the atmosphere. You can't deny the atmosphere. Mm. And so I think that 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 that's why people make a very deliberate choice to move here. Um, and to live here and to make their dreams come true because atmosphere in New York says you can literally be what you want and make what you want of your life if you live here. And that's the truth. It's why New York and even LA is the most expensive city in the, in the nation because the, the potential here is just insane. And you truly can make your own dreams come true if you just make it your purpose and, and, and your life to, to fight for it. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. So I feel you 100%. Anywhere. Yeah. And I, I have the aspirations. Then Daisy to move. Nip it in the bud. Yeah. Like I had the aspirations to move to New York. I went to college in Jersey. I said, okay, I may not be able to afford New York, but shit, I could take a bus to New York City every weekend. And that's exactly right, what I right. did. And I, and let me tell you, just going to school in Jersey, I had to like man up a lot because the girls there don't play. Yes. So it's just uh-huh. like some sort of like thick skin that you have to get because there's no other there's no other choice like these girls are gonna freaking beat you up (laughs) so it's like Uh I I just learned so much just by living there so I could just imagine being born there so tell us about how you like it just your interest in public relations just happened you know what's interesting is that that, um I didn't even recognize that I had an interest in public relations and and this is this goes back to one of the reasons why it's so important to have really great teachers and and for teachers um, one to be well compensated and 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 well treated um, because they can truly change someone's lives. I 
I had for all of my life, well, at least my later life, because I grew up thinking that I wanted to be a lawyer. And then all of a sudden in, in high school, I developed this love for journalism. And I was like, oh my God, I want to I wanna be a journalist. Um, but then uh, around my junior year, I started, I took on the role of leading the prom committee. My class was the first graduating class of my high school. So we started sort of taking on those roles really early on um, in my junior year. And I was head of prom committee. And my English teacher, um, sort of in observing me, was like, Denora, have you ever thought about like marketing or public relations? Like you are really owning this and the way that you're that you're really passionate about creating this and, and running this and putting this together, you should really think about a career in marketing or PR. And that was honestly the first time that I had even heard about that. And uh, and I sort of looked into it and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. I really like it. Okay, cool. And and from that point on, I was like, you know what? I might kind of want to do both. And so I learned when I got to college that I could do um, I could do PR and journalism. Um, and so that's I, I decided to focus on on both of those things. And I did a I did an internship in journalism. Learned quickly that I did not like the the um, sort of editorial attitude and and the vibe of editors and how terribly competitive it was. Um, and so I was like, you know what? No, I think that PR might be better for me. And I did an internship and fell completely in love with it. It just, you know, it, it worked so well with my personality. And so I did several internships and that, that was sort of my trajectory there. Graduated college and uh, got a job by the grace of God right out of, uh, out of college and, and uh, w- was able to continue to work in it for, for 10 years. Right. And you worked with like so the great brands that you have, which I want you to talk a little bit about that, because that also helped you kind of transition into what is Bodega 7 now. But you worked with, you know, a brand that was really impactful in your life and you still have mentorship and a lot of connection with the brand. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So towards the end of my career um, uh, in PR, I was I worked at a at a public. Give me one second. I'm so sorry. Is it Sunday? Sunday's yeah, that's dog. why I'm like, give well, me a second because I, <laughs> she just girl. She it's just Saturday. Grabbed, what are you talking? <laughs> no, it's her dog Sunday. She just, she just grabbed. Um, so I made the horrible mistake of in trying to entertain her because you know how dogs just destroy every toy. So I was like, you know what? I, I usually buy a lot of water bottles. So I started just giving her the water bottles and I saw her pick one up and I'm like, no, 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 no. We can't have this noise in the background. So I need to throw it out in the trash before she starts. Give me a second. (laughs) Oh, good. No worries. No, but yeah, she shows Sunday all the time on her Instagram. I love that name. Yeah. That's cute. (laughs) So literally she she will like tear shit apart in her apartment. Well, we wouldn't know. We don't have dogs. Uh, No. (laughs) I'll pass. Love them. Love seeing them. don't get one. (laughs) I'm over here literally literally like sitting down trying to bribe her so that she doesn't make noise. I'm petting her and everything. It's all good. We we, we are animal lovers around here. So don't worry about that. Come here, mom. So, um, sorry, what was your question? Just I wanted oh, you to I think just... you were asking about Shay and stuff. Yeah, yeah Shay and like um, your time there because I think it was so... It, that time there was so important to where you are today. So yeah. I just want you to share with, your, with the listeners like that point in your life and how that just yeah. kind of built into who you are today. Yeah, so the last agency that I worked at was RL Public Relations, um, which was a Hispanic PR agency. And at RL... Uh, we actually had got Shea Moisture as a client. 
And um, it was the brand's first time, actually, around that time, that was the first time that they started engaging agencies to sort of really take the brand to the next level. This is 2013, 2014 at this point. Um, Can you explain, sorry, a little bit about like what Shea Moisture is and, you know, just to our listeners who may not be familiar? Yeah. So Shea Moisture is a beauty brand. Um, It was made to serve the underserved. So um, it's hair care, skin care, um, you know, bath and body. And and it was founded by um, Rachel Dennis, uh, his best friend, Naima Tubman, and Rachel's um, uh, mother as well, um, Miss Mary, and they started this company and, and it, and it was actually one of the first like natural hair care brands. Um, it was one of the first natural hair care brands in like Target and, 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 you know, across mass retail. So it's had a really large cultural impact and it was a brand that truly inspired and encouraged and empowered a lot of women of color, especially black women to, um, embrace their natural hair. Um, so culturally, what it means for for people, I mean, it, it it's changed people's lives truly. Um, and so, you know, the the brand um, the brand was fairly new. It, it had launched, um, I want to say, like two thousand and nine, two thousand ten, um, and back then in two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, um, they were they. I mean, they had seen an insane amount of um, success um, since launching, even. Uh, Chimamanda's book, Americana, actually mentions Shea Moisture. Um, so they were looking to, they were engaging PR agencies um, across both Hispanic and general market. And uh, we won the RFP and I just fell in love with the brand. Um, my sister-in-law had actually introduced me to the brand a year before because she used it. And um, the products were incredible. I love the Yukon Planting collection. So it was just very serendipitous that then, you know, we ended up uh, winning the brand as a client. Um, and I just sort of took it on and just completely fell in love with it because it's a very purpose-driven uh, brand. Uh, Ritual and his family just created uh, an entire company around purpose, around the idea of serving the underserved and and creating resources and giving other people opportunities. So one of the things that they do through community commerce is they have um, like their shea butter, their certified organic shea butters actually um, purchased from a woman-led from woman-led cooperatives in Ghana, right? Um, and what they do is, in addition to um, actually getting the the shea butter from them, they also invest in these um, cooperatives so that their supply chains are are positively impacted and and they're able to have better facilities so that they can increase their revenue. So again, it's just a truly um, purpose-driven company, and uh, yeah, so we we won the RFP. I they they became my client. I I was running the account, and I just truly truly fell in love with it. And I was running the account for a little bit, un, a little under a year, and then Ritual actually um, started, you know, reached out and and was asking if I'd be interested in coming in house and and joining the team. And you know, maybe a few months after that. I ended up coming in house and I was um, on the PR team and I was leading the influencer marketing there. So from Um, working with the brand through the agency, now you were working mm -hmm. directly with the brand. Yes. So um, I was recruited by Ritual, came in house um, at Sundial. So then I was doing the PR um, for both Shea Moisture and Nubian Heritage, which is another brand under the Sundial umbrella. Um, 
And uh, and yeah, and I was doing and I was doing uh, the PR, the influencer marketing for both brands. And then towards my last um, sort of two years, I was just fully focused on influencer marketing and brand partnerships. What is influencer marketing for our listeners that don't really understand the difference between that and so influencer regular marketing? Yeah, so influencer marketing in in its truest simplest form is um, you know engaging uh, social media and digital personalities. Um, to help market and sell and sell your brand, um, we know for sure, right? Because of the way that the world is moving, we're we're one very digitized and two very socialized, right? Like everything is social media, um, everything is YouTube, Instagram, TikTok is blowing up right now. Um, so everything is very digitally driven, and so data informs us that um, one people actually believe and are more inclined to purchase a product when they see a social media influencer talking about it versus when they see a celebrity talking about it. So you can put, um, I don't know, let's say JLo for an example, you can put JLo on a brand and then you can put, I don't know, a Jackie Ina on, on, uh, on a brand and, and data shows that people are more inclined to express interest and to purchase the product if they see Jackie Ina using the product versus a Jennifer Lopez. Wow. By um, the way, Jackie Anna mo- mom is a very big fan of yes. Girls Gone Boss. She loves us and she follows us all the time. So that's like, a, we've it. been wanting to interview her and she's amazing. So that's crazy that they have more influence than the celebrities. But does every yes. brand need, like does every brand need to get influencers to help with their marketing plan or you don't think it's for every brand? I mean, I think I think that it's going to depend the brand and, and it's going to depend the industry that you're in. I think any brand that wants to have some sort of cultural relevance has to do with influencer marketing, period. Like you see, I mean, even Whole Foods does influencer marketing. Um, everything everything from, from food to beauty to fashion to, to lifestyle, everyone is doing influencer marketing. You have um, like home equipment brands that do, that, that do influencer marketing. Obviously, beauty and fashion brands do you have think about think about this runways runway fashion shows right now front rows used to be the most elite people now you literally have like the Bretman rocks of the world and and even the Jackie Inas of the world that are literally sitting front row right front row at like big fashion house fashion shows it, I, I mean you'd be very hard pressed there's certain I, I don't know if you're a steel industry obviously do you need that? No, right? Because you're very easy <laughs> to be. But like, but like, if you are a consumer brand, you'd be uh, you'd be hard pressed to not be doing influencer marketing. And and what we're seeing is that um, more brands are actually pushing influencer marketing their marketing dollars away from sort of traditional digital ads and more into influencer marketing. I believe it was Estee Lauder um, that. There, there was a report that Estee Lauder was now accounting um, about. Set, don't don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it was Estee Lauder um, that I read in the report that was shifting about seventy percent of their digital marketing dollars into influencer marketing specifically. So think about that move from whereas before you would have probably spent that money on p- p- placing ads in the Refinery Twenty Nines and the buses of the world, you are now shifting those dollars into influencer marketing. That's, because that's a lot everyone about. is on their mobile all the freaking time and everyone's exactly. on socials every day. And I also mm-hmm. think when you use influencer marketing, there is like passion points that you can hit with different 
targets, you know, different markets because an Mm -hmm. ad doesn't really say much. But when you have something visual Mm -hmm. that talks and says and and, and enjoys like giving you a tutorial or like and that it and Mm -hmm. the key word to me is organic for the partnership to be organic. But is that is that what brands are looking for in influencers? What exactly are they looking for? You know, every brand is looking for something different um, and every brand has a different approach to it. And I think that's a unique thing about influencer marketing, right? Because if you think about digital marketing, um, you know, from sort of that traditional media perspective, there's there's sort of more formality there, right? Like you understand you're paying a certain amount of per, a, a certain amount of money to um, like a certain cost per thousand, right? In impressions. Um there is none of that in influencer marketing, and and it still is something that you you make it as a, as both an influencer and a brand. You make it what you what you want it to be, right? And so I know that while I was at Sundial and and uh, doing things for for Shea Moisture specifically, I used to engage um, talent that was already talking about Shea organically because that told me that there was an authentic and genuine love for the brand before there was a dollar attached to an opportunity. Right. So every single, every single person that I ever, you know, did a campaign with for Shea Moisture had already posted about the brand at some point, whether it was on YouTube or Instagram or stories, whatever it was, they were already talking about this brand before there was ever an opportunity to make a dollar with us. And so that, that's something that was very important for us at Shea because you know, they, they truly say essentially kind of wrote the book on influencer marketing before influencer marketing was influencer marketing. Rich Little Dennis used to literally show up. This was back when like blogs were the thing, right? Like in 2007 and 2008, like blogs were the thing and everybody was a blogger, but it wasn't necessarily fully monetized just yet. Rich Little Dennis used to show up like products in hand and everything at these events and like give free products out. You know, and this is before, this is well before it became um, something for people to monetize and make money off of. And, and this big thing now where there are creators making $25,000 to make just one post well before that. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, so, so that sort of grassroots approach for, for, for that brand was really important. And, and not, never, ever losing that authenticity was very important. So while I was there, my key thing in, in engaging talent was, have they spoken about the, about us, expressed a genuine love, made a genuine recommendation because they actually really love the product? That was like entry point to be able to, to, to work with us at that time, you know? Yeah, I think that was aligned too with like your mention of the company being very purpose-driven. I think when you're purpose-driven mm-hmm. and there's like a vision behind it, there's also like an authenticity that kind of like just like trickles into every aspect. So obviously into influencer marketing, there has to be some type of, you know, organic, authentic kind of like, you know, scouting process because you don't want to sell something based on like a forced lie or just to like Mm -hmm. get people with numbers, you know, it needs to be Mm -hmm. something that connects. Um, And so that's important for brands that anybody that's listening and and you want to work with influencers, just make sure to like really get the right influencer for your brand. Somebody that genuinely wants to consume it and enjoys it and and can portray that to their followers or, you know, their, their audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, even for, for, for sometimes there might, because believe it or not, as they, when, when you sort of live in the world of whatever brand you work for, you think that everybody knows about it, but not everybody does. 
And so you might come across those people that have never heard of your brand or have never tried it. Um, but then at that point, it's like, okay, give me your actual genuine feedback on this. And then do we, are, are, is there alignment with other, um, with the other sort of uh, big, big ticket items for us that, that are important as far as who we are, like same motion, particularly having been um, sort of a family owned and operated brand. Um, again, very purpose-driven, a very socially conscious brand. Is there alignment in those things as well? You know, um, and and those things were also very important uh, to to us. While I was, you know, I mean, still very important to the brand, but it was very important to us and and informed how we did things from a marketing perspective, three hundred and sixty. Right. And being with a brand and you really mentioned about like having this family feel and you really being invested and passionate about working with it. But there was a point where you decided I'm going to like go on my own. How did that decision come? And I know it had to have been difficult even, you know, to make it and scary as book. So let us know, like, how was that? You know, I think that um, it's funny because I think that no matter what plan you sort of create, for yourself and for your life, the plan that God has for your life is always going to be bigger and greater and it's always going to burn a hole in your heart until you sort of step fully in it. Um, I had always, I had always wrestled with wanting to, wanting my long-term goal to be, um, to be, um, you know, being a businesswoman and entrepreneur versus wanting it to be, um, becoming a CEO or CMO of like a beauty company. Um, and, uh, and, you know, when I sort of realized like, no, you know, I really think that I want to go the entrepreneurship route. I struggled with, well, what would that look like? Right. Because even though um, my skill and expertise for the past me- decade was in um, public relations, it's, it's evolving and changing. And I felt that there were, um, skills that I had that it wasn't allowing me to to sort of exercise. Right. Sorry, ladies, hold on. Yeah, so um, again, we are a talent management agency. So we, ta- uh, we represent talent sort of 360 um, across, you know, all of the, all of their interest points. So it really is about um, one, turning our clients into household names and you know, making sure that we're being strategic and, you know, our approach, our, our approach to um, managing talent is very much the same way that, you know, I approached brand building as, you know, as a marketer and a PR person, right? It's, it's about building a brand and creating a brand that, that becomes a household name. Um, so we have, so we have uh, talent that are sort of in that more traditional digital route. And then we also have talent that's like TV film. And, and now actually as of recently, we have um, talent in uh, tech and music as well. Um, so, so it really is just about how, how do we one, make all of your dreams come true? How do we support you in that? How do we make it bigger? Um, how do we turn you into household names? How do, how do we develop businesses and, and opportunities that will long live and outlast you that leaves a legacy and an impact? And do you feel that as a woman of color and representing talent of color, has there been barriers? Has there been like sometimes negotiations that have gone a little wrong Mm -hmm. because, you know, obviously it's not fair pay, uh, you know, across Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
talent? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the reasons why I specifically decided that I wanted my business to work with talent of color and traditionally underrepresented groups um, was because even on the other side of things, um, having been on on the brand side where I was dealing with um, managers and agents, I realized um, that, to be quite frankly, they were horribly represented, misrepresented, right? Um, Because you have agents and managers that might not look like them or might not come from the same culture as them or speak the same language, you know, representing them. And, and not that, a per, that, and not that a, per, a person that does not come from your same background cannot represent you because they can, but, it's, it, but, but there is a need for a need, a conscious need and desire for truly understanding um, uh, someone's background and what shapes them and what moves them and why that I felt that was very missing. Um, and, and so that, that told me, you know what, I, I need, I need to make sure that I do my part to only work with talent of color and underrepresented groups and, and to make sure that they are in a position where they are competing with their white counterparts who are getting paid significantly higher than they are, despite the fact that they might have the same reach and influence as, as them. Um, and, and yes, I mean, I certainly experienced and heavily fought against that. I have, it's crazy if I were to share the stories of how many, um, how many times there were actually deals that would come in and, and the offers were completely disrespectful, to be honest. And then in negotiating and fighting for it, you would get, you would get up to over 400% higher than the initial offer which tells you that they have the budget. They just don't want to pay you that. Right. Right. messed up. So, yeah. And, and so one of the very things that I, one of the things that I had to do very early on in working with, with the talent, um, the, the talent that we work with is, is tell them like, listen, there are going to be times that we're going to leave offers on the table and your mindset might be, wow, it's X or X amount of thousands of dollars that would, but trust me when I'm telling you that you should actually be getting paid so much more. And so I, I want you to just trust me in that process. And that's exactly what has happened. Um, and, and it's funny because now, you know, the talent that we work with, they're just like, oh, you know, they sort of, they, they trust us fully in that. And, um, and, and now they totally understand and they see it. Uh, but, but yes, I mean, talent of color remains um, underpaid, horribly underpaid compared to their white counterparts. That, um, and I think that it's it, it's going to take... Do you hear the background? Do you hear Sunday barking? Yeah, but it's not bad. Don't worry. It's fine. Okay. Um, I like try to move into the room. I'm sorry, ladies. Um, but talent of color remains underpaid and it's going to take... Um, it's going to take, you know, the folks that represent them actively fighting for it and and being a voice in it and and being and being unafraid to say hey this is actually a trend like talent of color remains underpaid we need to change that because if you're seeing it in hollywood you know that it's definitely even worse on the digital end yeah and i was going to tell you okay so it, talent of color are getting paid less but imagine like a woman of color even mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. less right mhm mhm mm-hmm. that's so I mean, crazy we know that. Me. like Black black women and and Hispanic women 
Hispanic women make less than black women and black women like make less than half of what her white male, white male counterpart makes. Like, I mean, we're, we're, it's double whammy if you are one, a woman, but two, especially a woman of color. So, so we're happy that, you're there that, that, championing that these people to like really get what they deserve. Thank you. And, and I think, and, and again, it, it's going to take, it's, it's going to take many more people um, like me and, and, but it's also going to take the talent to say, you know what? No, we're not going to, we're not going to do this anymore. And, and it's a difficult spot to be in because you find there there's influencers that just want to, um, you know, they, they kind of feel like, damn, I have to, I have to take this opportunity because I'm trying to grow my business. And, and it is so hard to, um, say no, to right? Really, mm-hmm. right. It, it's hard to say no when you, on when you think about like, well, but this is such an opportunity because the brand is so big and blah, blah, blah. And women like me don't get this opportunity. But, but then what's the, what's the space between making sure that, that you are being, um, properly, and respected for, for what you bring to the table versus what what you want to do because you need it to survive, which think, is why yeah. I, I... I think this is a good takeaway for like... again. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. I've, I've been very vocal. Um, I did... I participated in a panel earlier this year and someone asked me, hey, when's the right time to quit your job to pursue being an influencer for t- full-time? And I said, um, and I told them, until you're in a position where you can say no to a brand because they are not paying you what you deserve, don't quit your job. Because at that point, then you start taking jobs because you need to survive. And then the entire purpose and mission of why you're doing what you're doing is completely changing. Mm -hmm. And that affects you, not just because now your page is changing because you're taking jobs to pay your bills, but then you've moved away from the purpose that you set out initially. Yeah, that's amazing advice. Which means that people then start disengaging. Right. So now you're losing the audience that you built. Right? So unless you are in the position to turn a brand down, don't quit your job. Do both. That might mean that you will have restless nights because you're working a nine to five job and then you come out and, and you're working a uh, 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 five to nine or five to five a.m. Whatever it is, and building that, but make that sacrifice so so that you can remain on the path that you set out for. I think that's valuable advice just for life in general. Just like how basically you have to know your worth in every aspect, but so much more in business as well. Just because it's so skewed. But it's great to also take this like in life, like if you're settled into a relationship you're not happy with or you're getting, you know, or maybe you're you're just not happy at a job that you're in. Like you have to be strong enough to like kind of walk away from things, obviously prepared, mm-hmm. but it's just mm-hmm. it's just like an, an overall life lesson. So it's it's a good takeaway. Yeah. Absolutely. So I would say that that's going to be a, one of your most I guess the rewarding part of being an entrepreneur is that you're helping all of these talent like really get what they deserve and fulfill their dreams. What's something that you're kind of not really feeling about being an entrepreneur? She's probably I don't say think the hours. That I, say, I don't think that there's something that I can say that I'm not feeling. And, and I don't mean that like in the corny way because, you know, everybody is like, oh my God, this is a... Uh, I, I really truly mean that because I will tell you that being an entrepreneur every single day, I am stretched beyond beyond what I could have ever thought or imagined 
or even or even experienced had I not been an entrepreneur. I am stretched and challenged every single day. And that stretching and that challenge might look like tears, anger, joy and excitement. Every single day it looks different. I but know. but what that but what that does for me is it allows me to be a better businesswoman. It allows me and, and what it and what it does as far as impacting me even outside of this. Like every single day I learn that I am actually so much more stronger and smarter and capable than I thought I was the day before. And so and so that's why I think I, I don't think that there's a least favorite part. I mean, yeah, there again, there are things that you're like, okay, I really don't want like I don't want to be as a growing business, like I don't want to be on QuickBooks, like, you know, categorizing expenses and like having to, to face all that stuff. But but again, being proactive in doing that makes me smarter from a financial perspective as a businesswoman. So it's either I can complain or I can get a a better a better sort of 360 view of what running a business is. So I, I honestly, I, w- I wouldn't say that there's anything that's my least favorite. I, I'll say that I'll, I take, I just try to take everything with a grain of salt and say, you know what, this is, this is what I'm meant to do right now. This is how I'm meant to be stretched and pulled. And, and I have to take it like a champ. And you are, girl, because I see you. And also, you know, I know you're, you're very big on faith and God. And I feel like, you yeah. also must rely on that and know that, you know, there's a purpose behind everything. Of course. Amazing. So also tell us like a little bit about like the best advice. I know you have a great mentor that if you want to kind of like chat a little bit more about that relationship and just like the best advice you received either from him or from just anybody that you can share with our listeners. You know, I don't know that, that I could say that I have a mentor. Um. I think that that what I can tell you is that I I've actually had several mentors and and I think that we need to change the way that we think about mentors because we think that mentors are like this one individual that just really pours into us and that we can call 24/7 and and they're there for us and they steer us in the right direction but I think I personally believe that anyone who is proactively pushing, empowering, and uplifting you into your purpose and your calling is a mentor. And and what they give you every day in that mentorship could be different than what somebody else might give you every day in your in your mentorship. So I've had several mentors. Um I, I'll tell you that one of my first early on mentors was Ken uh Eiffel. He everyone knows him as Guru. He's the co-founder of Desert Storm Records with uh DJ Cruz. So his um, record label was the one that um, signed um, Fabulous. And he's now an SVP of A&R over at uh, Republic Records. But I met him very early on in my career um, when I was doing the PR for the Harmon Carden Umbrellas, which is how he and I started working together. And he saw something, he saw something in me. Uh, again, he saw that entrepreneurial fire in me. Um, and and, I, and I'll never forget, he called me one day and he said, listen, I know that you work with the Harmon Carden brands, but I have a question. Do you know anyone at Orpheum? I'm looking for products. Um, and so before I even it responded to him, I reached out to Orpheum on a deal and came back. And, I know someone at Orpheum. They're going to give you 70% off on the products if you agree to doing X, Y, and Z interviews and a press release. 
and 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 I almost feel like he did he did that on purpose so that I could see um, what I was capable of. And there he was like, then you should really start thinking about what it looks like for you to do this for yourself and on your own. And in retrospect, when I stand back and I think about that moment now, there was that that sort of management part of me, that brand building management, make things happen part of me sort of being cultivated, right? In me sort of taking the initiative to, to bring about a deal out of a simple question. Hey, do you know anyone at Orpheum? Um, and, and, and I would say that, you know, a few of my girlfriends, um, have served as mentors when, when I was sort of wrestling with the idea of what's the right time to quit, because letting go of Shea Moisture was very hard for me. It, it was five years all in, you know, I spent two years on the agency side and then three years in-house and, um, leading the influencer marketing and brand partnerships for Shea Moisture was very much a part of my identity. Um, I, there are friends that I have now that I only have them because I met them, um, because of what I was doing and who I was doing it for. And it it was, it it was just so deeply engraved in my heart. And, um, you know, I, um, girls that I met through there, like because of my work with Shane Moisture, I met Carolina Contreras, who everyone knows as Miss Rizzo, um, and Ada Rojas who you'll know as all things Ada, those two women are really great friends of mine. And and when I was sort of wrestling with the idea of like, do I quit? When do I quit? How do I do it? Those were women that served as mentors to me in that. Um, and those are sort of like uh, that, that sort of cross mentorship, if you will, because we're all around the same age. Um, but, but they're both entrepreneurs. Carolina has, uh, has the first ever natural hair salon in the DR and she just opened one here in Washington Heights and, and Ada has been an influencer for, for many years and just launched her beauty brand, Botanica Beauty, um, which is about to like have crazy national distribution in like Target and Walmart and everything. But those so funny. We just did an interview with Bonita Project and they represent her. Yeah. Everything yeah, is yeah. connected here. <laughs> yes. 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 And even actually, um, Danielle, you know, Danielle was someone that, um, I had, I had met her, um, I had met her while she was still at her prior, um, PR agency. And, and I remember she quit and we bumped into each other at, at the wing and, and we just sort of talked about it. And I shared with her, how I was thinking about doing it. And she was telling me how rewarding it was for her. You know, I think, again, we need to sort of think a lot about sort of those cross mentorship opportunities because we always think, mentoring up where right. we really have the opportunity to mentor each other. We do. Um, I mean, so right yeah. now I'm getting so inspired by your story and just sitting down talking to all the women that we do. It's like sort of like, you know, mentorship for us too, because people think yeah. because you get to a certain level or you've already accomplished so mm-hmm. much that you aren't mm-hmm. willing to want learn, keep learning or keep being inspired. Like every day we're like, there could be a bad day and we're not feeling it, but I sit down and talk to right. you and then I'm like, damn. And I've seen you like work it from the ground up. So you're yeah. my mentor at this point as well. So you're absolutely you. right. Yeah. And, and and again, what those, when I tell you, I mean, myself, Ada and Carolina, like we started a group chat and we would literally just even talk like on, and you know, then Facebook develops like the group FaceTime. So that was the best thing ever because we would literally just be on the phone like for hours on end and they're like, didn't I just do it? Didn't I just do it? What are you afraid of? Look at me. And like, they were sharing the, the struggles that they've been through and that they're still going through. 
And, and that enabled me and empowered me to say, you know what? I can do this. Like my girlfriends are doing this. I can do this, you know? Um, and, and, and even sort of someone else, I mean, I mean Richard Dennis, the founder and CEO of, of, um, Sundial, he, he has been a mentor. I'll never, I mean, he, again, thinking about people that see things in you, he saw something in me back when I was at the agency that made him say, you know what, you should be working with us in-house full time. Um, and, and creates a position for me to come in-house. And when I called him to tell him, because for me, it was very important to have his blessing in, in leaving my job um, to pursue this business. So I had to, I spent like three days trying to get him on the phone because of course, not only is he CEO of, of um, Sundial, but then he also owns Essence Magazine and he has all of these multiple businesses. So I needed, before I could even submit um, a, a, a notice, I needed to talk to him to literally just get his blessing and say, absolutely pursue this. And when I spoke to him, without hesitation, the man said, you're going to fucking crush it. He's like, literally, he's like, you, you have been entrepreneurial since day one. I knew that this day was going to come. You're going to fucking crush it. Like, no doubt. And whatever I can do to help you and whatever you need, I'm going to be here. And he has stayed true to that word. When I mean, I had a, I called him not even two months ago and, and asked him questions about, you know, scaling the business and what I should do in, in needing to hire to meet a specific need. And he spoke to me on the phone and gave me the best advice ever. Um, and, and, and again, remain, remain someone that, and he doesn't just do that for me. Like I, yes, I have a proximity and an access to him as someone that was a, a former employee of his. But if you go to any conference or event that Rich Lou was speaking at, he offers up his email and, and, and offers to speak to you and to connect with you and, and to give you advice because he truly believes that he is meant to serve. And so whatever that looks like and whatever resource he needs to be to people, he does that. Wow. So, so that's someone, you know, that's truly someone else that I know that I can, that I can call on and rely on and, and, and reach out to and, and that would offer advice. But, you know, again, we're talking about someone that's already, you know, in, has already accomplished so much and, and that is a blessing for me. But I think that we need to do a lot of more of that cross mentoring because what we can do for each other, um, you know, as friends that might be at the same level or you may have already taken the leap of faith and I'm trying to take the leap of faith you know, we, we can empower and encourage each yeah. other in that. Yeah. And also like, I feel like there's people um, that you see it, that are kind of like, you know, at your same level or a little bit higher, that could just be such expanders that you can see them mm -hmm. doing things. Like you said, your friends are doing things. If they can do it, I can do it. So I think it's important mm -hmm. to be around those people and to be around people that you aspire to be like, um, because that's just going to like keep you like fueled, you know, and be like, damn, mm -hmm. like, I can do mm -hmm. it. I just have to put the work in. So that's amazing. Absolutely. You have to be very intentional about the circle that you build and the energy that you allow around you. Um, because the the wrong energy and the wrong mindset in your life can completely take you off course. Right. Right. Like like you're you're called you're called to be fearless. Um, one of the things that, that I actively talk about is and and it's full proof and written in the Bible, fear is not of God. And so if you are around people that are constantly putting fear in you and throwing energy of fear on you, you need to get away from those people. It's not of God. Wow. That's deep. So you and need that's to serious. be very yeah. intentional. 
yeah, you need to be very intentional about about who you have around you. Yeah, your surroundings. You know, yes, you need yes, you need logic and yes, you need reasoning, but we will never be able to conceptualize what God does and who he fully is and his full plan. And so if you have anyone that is expressing anything over your life and your calling and your assignment below what God has called you to be, you need to get away from those people. That's great advice, actually. It's true. Move away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's next for you in 2020? Oh, God. Um, I am, again, completely married to this business. So so it is about scaling. Um, all of our clients, by the grace of God, are growing and flourishing and and they have big dreams and we need to make sure that we are fully servicing them. Um, I want to see Bodega 7 have five full-time employees by the end of 2020 um, and that we are fully servicing our clients across every single one of their dreams and visions for their lives. I have no doubt that you're going to get there. Me neither, Denora. You have been grinding and I'm, again, so proud of you. Um, And just keep doing what you're doing. I think um, you're living in your purpose. And that's got to be super, super valuable to to your clients. So keep shining. For those for those Thank people you. listening out there that would like to ask you any questions or slide into your DMs, where can they reach you? Yeah. So my Instagram is at I am Denora. That's I A M D I N O R A H. And then the business is. Bodega, the number seven underscore across Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for your time, girl. I know you were running out to an event. I know you had Sunday there, but you made that shit happen because you're a boss. Thank, thank you, you. Thank I you really so appreciate much, you. And thank you for like giving us the time. And I really wanted to tell your story because I've seen your grind and, and it's it, it was time for you to share it, at least here. And I saw the um, meet in La Bodega and I really liked it too. So if anybody wants to continue to learn more about Denora, go to their, her YouTube page. She has a YouTube page for Bodega 7 and she has a series yeah. called Meet Me in La Bodega. And she sits down yeah. with her brother, who I also know, and they have a really candid conversation. It's really cool. So tune into that as yeah, well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Denora. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Keep subscribing. Keep following us at Girls Gone Boss. And we appreciate your, you know, your support and always listening. Till next time. Bye. 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 You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.